0: The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide meter in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: You hear that music, you know the show. You're listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Happy New Year. That's exactly right, 2016. Thank God I'm here to see 2016. I hope a whole lot of you feel that same way. Uh, I've been away for just a little bit of time. And, uh, of course, I'm back. Back doing the show, happy to be doing the show. And, uh, boy, what, you know, what matters you know, of course you want to know what I hope you want to know uh, what uh, matters to me and what matters to me is playoffs. Playoffs, baby. That's exactly right. It's playoff time. And, uh, you know, playoff time is something special. Uh, it's it's so special. It's so important. And it should be the number one thing to those who are in the business of uh, winning, because that's what the National Football League is all about. You know, it is about winning. You win, you stay, you lose, you go home. And sometimes when you lose, you get fired. And there's a lot of coaches who got fired. Listen, it's it's business. It's not personal. So this business is different than other business. I You never want to see anybody lose their job. But there are people who have a job that the expectation is to win. That's what your performance is based upon. And if you win, you stay. If you lose, you lose your job sometimes. And, uh, that has happened in the city of brotherly love, uh, of which I love the city of Philadelphia. Uh, but, uh, Mr. Kelly just did not get it done. And a man who, which I want to expand upon that about. And, uh, because I'm feeling bad about it. I'm not happy to see the man lose his job, but he's supposed to win. He didn't win. And, um, uh, That's what happens. But it's playoff time. The Philadelphia Eagles did not make the playoffs. And we got Henry Clay on the line with me to talk a little bit about that. Happy New Year there. Henry, how you doing? Happy New Year to you, my friend.
2: And uh, Happy New Year to all of those who are listening to us, all one of them or so.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, uh, uh, one I appreciate and one I know for sure is listening to us, so I know we got at least one good listener. But let me just say this to you, Uh, uh, one, which was the one day in the new year that people were looking for, was the day in Philadelphia, I guess, where uh, uh, Mr. Kelly was uh, relieved of his duties, and so now uh, we are in search of a new coach. But I think we saw this coming, am I right, Henry?
2: Well, I think we saw it coming a long time ago, and nobody had the guts enough to stand up and say it. Chip Kelly wore his welcome out here way, way back in the season. And in fact, Jeffrey Lurie, for the most part, said that in his uh, press conference at, uh, the other day after the uh, official firing. Chip Kelly had a problem. He thought he was coaching college kids, where first of all they're only there for a couple of years, and then they go off to play pro football or uh, do other things. Uh, they're change uh, change their lifestyle for life after football. These are highly paid professional people. This is a business to both the team, the coaching staff, and the players. And Chip Kelly just never got it.
1: Yeah, I, I think and, and I agree with you. And I, you know, and one thing that you mentioned is that these are not college players, you know, young college players are young men that are there to be developed as 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 young men. And and, and you, you have a responsibility to address both aspects of their life, not just athletically, but academically. And then also just a development as a as a young man to help into that though you go to parents homes. And you and you ask those parents if you could bring their children onto your campus to take over from where they left off at to help develop this young man in, 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 sports, it's about a job. in professional sports. It's about a job and professional sports is about a job. And Chip Kelly has to understand the fact that he has to work with other men and they have to be on one accord and they have to work together. To win, Those things aren't that important at the college level. It's not supposed to be that important at the college level. It's supposed to be about the development of the young man. But, but you're right about that there in Philadelphia. And so you said that became very apparent very early on. Who acknowledged that it became apparent very early on that Chip Jeffrey didn't Lurie. get it? Jeffrey, Jeffrey
2: Lurie. Wow. He said, and the direct quote was, I knew I had some things to address early in the season. End of
1: quote. Now, when he say early in the season, he meant this particular season? Correct. Okay. And so this basically, it was this season where Jeff Lurie saw that even with two seasons under his belt, in this third season, he saw some things that were obvious in the first two seasons, but he knew that they weren't working and that they needed to be addressed and he just didn't get around to addressing them to the end of the season?
2: No. What he said was continuing in the press conference. He said that when Chip came to him and said he wanted total control, he said he he was not happy with that idea. He said, but I'm just going to see what this how this is going to play out. So he gave it to him. Basically, in other words, I gave him a rope to hang himself, and he did.
1: But let me ask you this. You already had the man as your head coach. Did you need to give him all that control? Because I believe initially when he came on, as he didn't have all that control. It was something where after I think he won his first 10 games, or maybe the second time he won his first 10 games, then he asked for more control.
2: It was in March of, of this year, March of 2000, uh, well, excuse me. Uh,
1: 2015. We had New Year's
2: <laughs> night the other night. Uh, the uh, March of 2015.
1: Okay, and so what that did is that gave him full control going into the draft. And I'm sorry. You know, that this, that mere audaciousness to take if that is if that is a word, I'm going to if it's not I'm going to add. It. To have but to have the audacity in March to ask for full control when you have a draft that's coming up in April, really is it that t- is it time to take full control in in March for a draft that you want to have control over that's happening in April? And then you got a season to prepare for, too. See, that right there in itself, you know, says a little bit about the knowledge of the entire, of the game. And when we say game, that's inclusive of everything that obviously Chip didn't quite understand.
2: Well, well, not, he not only did not understand the uh, what you just alluded to, the draft, but he did not really understand uh, the job when he started with the trades that he made, um, did he obviously did not do all of his homework in the free agents that he signed. Byron Maxwell, yes, he's a terrific young man. He just did not live up to his expectations. He made the, uh, he made the trade with, to Buffalo for a proven superstar in this league. A player that has been hurt and which did not go over well with the fans, and the draft his drafts have not been uh, exactly stellar.
1: Well, he's uh, well to, to give him credit if he's going to take credit for a draft of which he had control, would have just been his last one, but the previous two he was working with the other, you know, other, uh, you know uh, executive director there. Uh, in charge of player say, personnel
2: i'm not I was not a fly on the wall, so we don 't know what went on in those in those war rooms
1: yeah i you know I would think, but just from what we can see from the outside, just putting the pieces to the puzzle, taking them taking them apart, putting them back together again, and seeing the way it ended up is that uh you know he perhaps maybe wasn't happy with the way things were going on and probably asked for more control because he thought that if he was in control. He could put a better product on the field, but but let me just say this: here's a contrast in what's happening with this man as opposed to another man just up the freeway there, ninety five, and that's uh you know Coughlin you know who who resigned. Um, I don't hear a lot of outpour from the city in Philadelphia and the players in Philadelphia in favor of Jeffrey Lurie. The way you hear about things happening up there in New York, of those people, the outcry for Coughlin, whereas, you know, on the big, big boy show, Stephen A. didn't quite understand the outpour, but certainly I could appreciate the outpour there as opposed to, you know, expecting some outpour to come from Philadelphia because those fans of Philadelphia were ready to get rid of Chip Kelly and, 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 and in New York, even though they're winners in New York. You know, every sport they've had up there has won, uh, but they still wanted to hang on Coughlin, but there was no sympathy tears for Chip Kelly on his way out the door, I don't believe.
2: Well, all right, first of all, it's, anybody knew that, Tim, uh, that um, Tom Coughlin was going to go. Not because if they had only maybe even if they had won the Super Bowl.
1: Well, if he was going to go, if he won the Super Bowl, I mean, come on now. Uh, let me finish. Okay, we got about two minutes, so go right here. I think he
2: wanted to be, in fact, they brought his whole family, including grandchildren, in. Uh, to the game on Sunday. Uh, if you saw it on TV, they were all there. Uh, he had hinted throughout the season, both to the media, his players, and uh, those talk talking head programs before the game, that he wanted to spend more time with his family. He didn't say, I'm done, but he just said, I'd like uh, I, my grandkids are getting bigger and I really want to see them. So that him resigning was was not something uh, you know that just happened.
1: Well, I, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to jump in there Henry because we're going to we're going to we're going to take a break, but I'm going to say this. No, it's not something that w- that just came out of nowhere. We saw that happening, we saw that playing out. But we also saw Chip Kelly playing out too in the front of the fans there in Philadelphia. And so we knew at the end of this season in Philadelphia as well as up the highway there in 95 that there probably was going to be some change at the end. One guy might have been willing to go out. The other guy, we might have kicked him out. But we both knew there was going to be some changes. So, so what I'm looking for is in terms of, you know, the response from the fans, the fans certainly appreciated Coughlin up north a lot more than, you know, Chip Kelly. We weren't fighting for Chip you know, uh, but again, again, Chip doesn't have two Super Bowl victories that he's leaving behind for <laughs> either when he goes. So uh, that's all I, I wanted to get to that. And, and on the other side of the break, we're going to talk about that a little bit more because, you know, Philadelphia fans, we've never won a Super Bowl. We're starving for a Super Bowl. At least, listen, if you you don't have to get you can get upset. But don't get embarrassed. And I think the Philadelphia Eagles football team at times this year was embarrassing to the fans. We're going to take it was a break. It was,
2: it was totally embarrassing. Yes.
1: We're going to take a break. You're listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. And we'll be right back after this break. You hear the music, you know the show. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Happy New Year, everybody. That's what I want to say. What matters to me is playoffs, baby. That's what you play for in the National Football League. And if you make it, that's good. If you don't, you go home. Sometimes coaches don't make it. They get fired some step down. We were talking a little bit before we went to break with my dear friend, and I might mention, too, mentor, and I'm saying that for a reason. He's a man who spent many more years in the media than I ever did, and I'm certainly appreciated to him, looked at him, watched him, uh, liked the way he did what he did, liked the way he respected the players in the locker room, uh, the way he, uh, the way he pr- presented his material uh, to the fans that he had gotten from the players. And so, of course, uh, I enjoy whenever I can have him on my show. Uh, but he alluded to something in the break and I said Henry hold on to that I want everybody to hear that and Henry we were talking about the Coughlin decision that he made he wasn't pushed out the door like Chip Kelly was necessarily there might have been some consideration but then it came, again it could have came back like the guy down in, in Indianapolis where I thought they were going to kick him out the door we saw what happened there but you seem to think that Coughlin had some other things in mind when he made his decision and, and it was set up by what we saw on television why don't you talk Talk a little bit about that. Well, first of all,
2: he did resign. <clears throat> and uh, I, as I said, or he, he had uh, done, done a show or did something special with Steve who <clears throat> uh, for Fox Sports in New York. And where he said was he was mentally drained. And I can say, I've been in this business 52 years. And I can tell you right now, I'm squeezing every drop. To get through to get through the season, um, and I did not do what a NFL coach does, which is six in the morning to midnight every day from July until whenever the season ends. And, and your body tells you through your mind it's time to go. It has done its best. Now it's time to give it a rest. And I think this is what Coughlin uh, did.
1: And you know, Henry, and I, I can appreciate that because you know, you know, based upon, depend upon whatever you do in your life, uh, the years seem to accelerate, and the toll physically, mentally, emotionally, uh, you know, starts to you know take its toll on you, and, and sometimes. You you consider what life might be like different and you look at other things and, you know, anybody who is extremely successful at life, I don't care what the profession is, what the industry is, that person is making a tremendous sacrifice and, and they miss a lot of things. And when you get time to stop and think about those things, particularly as we start getting a few gray hairs on our head and our mustache and beards and face and all those things. Uh, I think you start considering those things. And when you look around those family members and you remember when they were born and the next time you see them, they're in the sixth grade or they're in high school or they're graduating from college and you miss this. And they ask you, do you remember that or did you go here? And, and sometimes I think when we, those sports enthusiasts, those who are a part of the media, we tend to forget at times that those people who provide so many memories for people uh, to enjoy, uh, they make tremendous sacrifices and they're human beings. And I think what you're saying is this man, th- that, the picture of his grandchildren hugging him. I mean, that that was something I think the NFL should put that in, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I mean, because that's really what it's all about. Sometimes we forget about people who have families. I got a chance, and I'm going to have a good dear friend, Daryl Clark, who's going to join me here uh, at the other hour, at the bottom of the hour here. I got a chance on Christmas Day to go see the movie Concussions. And Concussion. And it uh, it certainly, Will Smith did an outstanding job in the movie. And it made me think about things. And make me think about things differently than I've ever thought about them before. But certainly the most important thing uh, is for a person while they're healthy enough, is to enjoy their family life. And I think Coach Coughlin, you know, missed, uh, you know, being with his family. Here's something else I heard that might happen, and uh, this is a hypothetical, no facts to it. Uh, one of the places of consideration that came up is for Tom Coughlin is Philadelphia, uh, and I know you know this answer. Would you happen to know those of you out there who don't know where he started at? I can tell you where he started at. I can tell you when he started. He started in, mm, I'm going to say, uh, 1982 at Broad and Patterson. Am I right about that, Henry Clay? That is correct. <laughs> he, was a, he was a wide receiver coach that was brought in to teach Mike Quick, his first-round draft pick, or I should say Dick Vermeule's first-round draft pick, how to be a wide receiver. And so it's, it, it, it would not be uh, – that would be ironic for him to return to Philadelphia where he started at – but, Henry, I like you. I, I just don't think he's going to do it right away. He might be like Coach Vermeule. He might take a couple days off. I'm calling days, obviously, seasons because they, they go by so fast. Uh, and he could, if, but he can't take too many off because he's a little older than Coach Vermeule was when he stepped away. But do you, do you see him maybe stepping away for a year or two, not being able to live without it and come back? Yes, is that right? Is that, so, so, so you think that's what well, he would...
2: first of all, his family is based in, in in Michigan. And I think that even though they were in New York, yes, they were in grand fashion, they were still from Michigan. Now, when they get back to Michigan after he cleans out his office and does all of the necessary things, which you and I know that coaches have to do in the national football, we get the end of the season, When he gets back, he's going to sit on the porch or sit under the tree and say, Ah, now I can smell this nice fresh air. Now, here's one for you. Speaking of Dick Vermeule, Dick Vermeule lives here. Now, what about Dick Vermeule becoming, say, the eye of the owner? The owner being Jeffrey Lurie?
1: Here's what I would say about that. I'm not sure. Cause I don't know, but I I don't know how many times we've been in Philadelphia. I've been there since since uh, since Jeffries on the team, and we've honored Coach Vermeer in any way. I, I just don't I don't recall that. But he's uh,
2: honored all the time.
1: Okay, well, and okay, I've been away, but 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 since he's been honored, so then that would tell you. Because I'm trying to get to the relationship. Because what's extremely important. Because I'm honored,
2: I... He, he was. He in, he came. He was inducted into Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame. Well, wait a minute, now let me do some counting here. I got to get out my fingers and toes. And, and
1: that and that's Philadelphia. And I, I mean the Philadelphia Eagles now. Because here's what I, here's my point. I'm trying now, to make. Philadelphia
2: right. City Hall, Sports Hall of
1: Fame. Okay, now here's what I'm. I, we the city love him. We the
2: eight days ago.
1: Okay, we the city love him. And but I, let, let's think about again. We're talking about Jeffrey Laurie, the Phil, and it's really you no, know, Lamb. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say I heard Joe Banner talk about that there comes a time, even when there's a tandem that are together collectively making decisions for the football team that there becomes problems. Now, for me, I would think that I don't know if that's always true because I'm going to tell you who I think thinks just the opposite of that is Dick Vermeil, And the reason why I believe they think just the opposite of that because Dick Vermeil and Carl Peterson have been great friends for years and they were able to circle back and get things right. They met up again in Kansas City and they were together here in Philadelphia and then Carl brought him in in Kansas City, and I'm not sure if Carl was there with him when he won the super Bowl and, uh, and he may have been with the rams I'm not sure about that, but he may have been, but Dick Vermeil, in my opinion is not, Dick is loyal to his relationships, and so if it was somebody that he knows that he could win with in spite of his ego, he would want to win with Dick I know Dick Vermeil's a relationship person hell he bought this first person he drafted when he had a first round pick was Jerry Robinson. Out of UCLA, somebody he coached, somebody he knew. And there used to be a person, and you know this person, somebody, they, we called him Bow Wow. I, won't even, I don't even know what his name was. It was Bow Wow. He did a little bit of everything around the organization. He was a friend of Dick Vermeel's. Um, You know, coached some of the coaches that came from UCLA. So Dick Vermeil, unlike somebody like Joe Banner, who perhaps maybe who's not been a a, a, a career, you know, sports person, uh, might think a little different about that, but that's one thing in in sports. You know, you've got to be able to put your ego aside, and win. it's called team. So if you can't work as a team in the front office, you're not going to work as a team on the field. So, so what do you think about that? You think Dick Vermeil could come back and do that? For uh, if
2: if Jeffrey Lurie brought him in, gave him a title, and you know, in this league, they come up with titles at the drop of a hat. Um, Dick Rameel could, st- they could have the press conference and Jeffrey say, well, he's going to be my special consultant. Guess who just, who just got forgotten? 100%
1: totally. Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly. Oh, no doubt about it. No, there's no doubt. And I, you know what you just said, the job that you just mentioned, the title and the requirements of the job would probably be a nine to five. Dick, yeah, Dick, 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 Dick Vermeil would do a nine to nine though, but and and so his, his wife who thinks, <laughs> as a Carol, matter of fact, I, yeah, I, I Carol chuckle,
2: would not be happy.
1: Well, I chuckle. No, but I think I chuckled when Carol said he's kind of crazy or he's kind of nuts. You know, whatever one of those words she chose for him in describing him in terms of his work ethic, and she knows that. And I, but I think she's okay with that because she loves the man so much and she wants him to be happy because you know they say happy wife. You know, happy life. You know, happy husband, happy home. So uh, I, I think that you, I think you stumbled on something. I think we need to we need to get that going somehow, some way, because I think Dick misses it. He, he he's he's around the game. He's probably comfortable, but I yeah, think he, uh, would, he uh, would he would enjoy. He would it. not
2: have to be there. You know, like on Saturdays, two o'clock in the mornings, and all of that sort of business. Comes in. Um, all right. They, they had a man in here they called the quality control vice president, who went to Jeffrey and said, da 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 da, da 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 da, da 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 da, da 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 da, became a vice president of quality control. He comes in, he watches practice, he wanders around the locker room, goes, and the Carol that you knew when you were here is still the coach's secretary. Write some notes down, and Carol types them up and takes them to Jeffrey Lord.
1: Hey, Henry, hold on to that. We gotta take a break here. You listen to Rail and Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. We'll be right back after this break.
3: Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice of America Sports. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Your internet flagship station for sports.
4: Voice America Sports.
1: you hear the music, you know the show. You're listening to Real Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Happy New Year, everybody! Of course, what matters to me is this playoff, baby. That's what the time is. It's playoff time. Uh, by the way, I I just got a text from uh, my good friend at the Canton Club uh, in Canton, Ohio. Uh, uh, Chuck sent me a text, and it's a picture of uh, it, It's it's uh, it's now out there. I'm sure everybody's seen this picture of Johnny Manziel allegedly dressed up uh, with a wig on and glasses at the uh, at the uh, <laughs> he's saying he was not in Vegas, but he was in Canton at the Anesta Hotel, which is a, a great, fabulous hotel that we have there in Canton, Ohio, the Anesta Hotel, New Year's Eve. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that that's really funny. But uh, just before we went to break, uh, we started to talk about something there, Henry, with, with the uh, Philadelphia Eagles and, 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 and Coach Dick Vermeer, Uh But we were talking earlier about uh, the, the, the family and spending time with your family. And I say that because I want to kind of lead into something because we got with us joining us now uh, a great friend of mine, former running back for the Dallas Cowboys and, of course, here at Arizona State University, too. Uh, Daryl Clack and I, and I want to talk to Daryl if you can stay with us Henry for a couple minutes here because I want to talk to him a little bit about the quality of life and family and things like that as it relates to uh, the recent movie uh, that was released on Christmas Day, uh, Concussion and uh, just wanted to talk a bit about that because we talked about Tom Coffin which is totally different but he's taken in consideration from a coach's perspective perhaps maybe looking at his life, his age Stepping away and enjoying his family Uh, with this movie concussion, it kind of led you to believe that there's times where those decisions um, aren't able to be made by players uh, because of the fact that perhaps maybe uh, there's a lack of information. At least that's what I gather from. But first, let me say Happy New Year to you, Daryl. And and second of all, uh, you know, welcome to the show. And uh, did you get a chance to uh, to see the movie, Daryl?
4: Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I got a chance to see it, and uh, it was, uh, you know, I enjoyed it, and it, it, it brings a lot of uh, light on uh, the issues that are going on regarding concussions uh, across the board, and I think um, the key to it was is just um, trying to educate people on that initial process on how it initiated in the first place um, and to the point where how it started to where they're at right now with the so, yeah, I got a chance to check it that
1: out. So it's that, interesting. That's interesting that you say that, Daryl, because there are um, a lot of people out. Let's say I've heard a few guys uh, on national broadcast uh, and, they, they, and they've said things like they know what they were getting into. Uh, it appears to me from when I said in this movie that there were some things that perhaps maybe players didn't know that they were getting into. Uh, what's your perspective on that?
4: Well, when they sit there and say that they know what they're getting to, I, I, you know, I truly disagree with that. And the reason I say it is because we've been playing football, well, especially myself, since second grade. Um, and so when I say second grade, I mean, I've been playing contact football since the fifth grade and had concussions during that time period. And I can recall not one individual, not one coach, not one doctor, not one any, anybody sit there and told me or my parents repercussions of what could happen to me in the future with these concussions that I had. So when you sit there and say, or when people sit there and say, "Well, we knew what we get into," no, but we had no one had no clue what we get into. And if you look at the movie and talked about it, what the doctor discovered and how once discovered it and put it out there, it was never brought at any point to any player that played in the NFL during that time period, even all with my time period on what concussion can do to the brain. So I one hundred percent disagree with that. Yeah. What we knew about was is this a game of football that we enjoy playing. It's a contact sport. We get injuries but we keep playing. Now one point do we ever realize that this is something that can hinder us Later on, in life and in our future to the point where it's a point where players are, you know, having all these issues, having on commit suicide things. Of nature we had no idea.
1: And, and I have a, a gentleman uh, on the phone with us who has been uh, reporting and covering sports uh, for for years, even years before my rookie year in nineteen eighty one. Um, but he has a perspective probably different than yours and mine. Because I'm sure Henry saw guys play different generations. He saw the equipment evolve. He saw the game get faster. He saw it get bigger. Uh, He saw the players get bigger and faster and stronger. Um, Henry, let me ask you something. Do you ever recall uh, when you were younger and you guys were covering the games that things such as concussions or just concussions in itself, being part of the conversations and the concerns as you would see players playing extremely physical and, and see these head on collisions, was this ever anything in in terms of coverage that you guys were asked to focus on or it was ever brought to the attention let's say let, let's say let me take you to the 70s because i 'm sure you were covering sports then uh,
2: I was and the year before you came in 81, 1980, there was, and you go back, you're picturing your mind, Veteran Stadium. The right, the, the west right field, uh, the right field for baseball, the west end zone. There was a collision between a, this was a college game, Temple playing University of Connecticut. There was a vicious co- collision between a defensive back and a wide receiver for the University of Connecticut, and the guy didn't get up for an hour. Wow. And, he, in fact, he ended up paralyzed, and he stayed here at Temple Hospital, and I hope it's in the movie. I did not see the movie. All of the work, it became like the focal point. For all the universities, there was a Dr. Torg, who you may have heard of when you were here, who did these miraculous things over a period of like three years before he could walk again. And I, um, it happened right, right. If you came out of where you came out of your dressing room and turned right, it was about ten yards past where you came out of that tunnel.
1: Mm, I, I know. I can see it as you said. I can close my eyes and picture it. All right, and you could hear
2: his. I, I was covering the game. There was not a lot of uh, not a lot of fans in the stands. We heard it. We heard his his head crack from the point of a hit. Mm. And that woke a lot of people in our era in this town as to the viciousness of hits. Because needless to say, that every time they would show anything about players, they would put that up on screen. You may have seen it, not known. When you were, when you came, Ray, not know what it was. I remember it. it as, now that we bring it up, it was a beautiful Saturday afternoon. It was kind of chilly, but not cold. It was the next to the last game of the season. It was in the fourth quarter when this uh, uh, UConn was losing. And they were trying to get back into the game. This pass, and they, they had hit a hat to hat down in that corner, and um, so that was our first introduction into the seriousness of concussions in the National Football League and in college football.
1: Yeah, that that uh, being Temple and Connecticut game must have been uh, must have been something that, of course, those people that were in attendance, including yourself, Henry. Uh, never forget that day, uh Daryl, let me ask you something you, Playing football all those years uh now that you look back uh, upon it uh do you can you recall some scary moments not only for yourself but some other players based upon what you know about from this movie or, or what have been reported since then
4: well uh speak for myself um and I know I remember a game in college that I played uh against u c l a and a I took a hit. Um, uh, it was a real hard hit and then um, when I got up from the hit um, I couldn't remember anything So, but I actually stayed on the field and I remember at the time uh, our quarterback Jeff Van Rapport um, he would call a play in the huddle and I would ask him what do I need to do and he would kind of tell me I need to go here and do that and I was just kind of out there doing things off the instinct but didn't know what I was doing I didn't know where I was at Finally, he had to get uh, uh, with the sideline that something's wrong with me to get me out of the game. They pulled me out of the game, started asking me numerous questions about uh, do I know where I was at? Did I uh, uh, just certain things? I remember one question he asked me was was so what's your uh, what's your mom and dad's name? And I could not remember their name, and that right there scared me so much that I was like, how do I not remember what my mom and dad's name is? Um, and so that was a, a scary part that I've experienced from having a concussion standpoint. Um, and there's been some others that I had in high school and some others that I had in, 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 the, in the NFL, but I think that was a big start of me uh, experiencing something so detrimental that to really scare someone so bad that, you know, but as we have been groomed, you know, we keep playing, you know, yes. that's something that we have enjoyed and always been groomed to do. And so we get through it and keep playing and keep playing and keep playing. But we never realized or knew what the repercussions would at some point happen or take place once we are actually done with the game and then everything starts to sell in with my brains,
1: uh, Henry, let me ask you something. You've been covering football all these years. You've seen rule changes. Uh, you've seen uh, adjustments being made to uh, the, lengthen the quarters of the game. I believe at one point in time the quarters were, were not quite as long as they are now. Uh, mm-hmm. In your mind, has the quality and, and the demand for the game changed uh, now that you've seen that we've reduced some of the physicality of the game? Has, has it has it changed as it compromised the quality of the game or the demand from the fans
2: well uh, my opinion is the football aka the national Football League has done the biggest marketing job of its product in the history of any form of business no business is the Focal point in millions and millions and millions of households is anything as the National Football League is. It's the number one sport in many towns like Philadelphia, New York, Phoenix. Um, and because of that, things have gotten looked over. And is it wrong? You know, that's one of those things that you can argue till the cows come home. But because of that, I think because it has become such a marketed product that think people just they look at the other parts of the sport and don't look at smaller things, which really are major things like concussions, injuries, personal problems, and, Ray, you were here when we had a major personal problem with a, with alignment. With you know what I'm talking about. Mm. Um, and, I mean, there's so many things where people's minds, people's bodies have been totally destroyed playing football.
1: Uh, Henry, I, I want to ask you because my mind is drawing a blank on me now. Uh, but there was a man, a young man, we drafted in the first round, oh, a couple years after I came. Um, so I want to say, uh, I think uh, might have been the '84 a lineman. Did he commit suicide?
2: Me, gay.
1: But no, no, not him. No, I think his wife. I think there was uh, that, that was a wife, a domestic issue. But there was an offensive lineman that we drafted out of yes. end- uh, yeah, Kevin Allen. Kevin Allen. Did Kevin commit suicide?
2: Well, that's what they said officially.
1: Yeah, I, I was a little concerned about him. Let me go back to Daryl, if you will. Okay, Daryl, you have been a player. You played this game. You watched this game. You coached this game. I've been in some of your camps with you, working with kids here in Arizona. Uh, let Let me ask you quicker because I know you got to go. Um, you look at this game. Is the game? Is it been compromised? The quality of the game to you? Is it just as exciting to watch? Uh, as it was when you were growing up, that, 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 that it, it motivated you so much that you wanted to play it. Do you still have a passion for enjoying the product uh, the way you did years ago, or has it been compromised because of, again, reducing the rules or, or, or yes, reducing the amount of contact or the, where the contact is made on the individual uh, that is taken away from the entertainment of the game? Has it done that to you?
4: Uh, I think it has to to some degree. Um, for example, uh, one of my main things when I was in the league was uh, being a, I was a kickoff returner. And so, as you know, they kind of reduced the, that on to that point where now <laughs> all the kicks are in the end zone, so the odds of a player bringing that out is kind of like, you know, look at a draw. And so certain things that they reduce and take away kind of limit the game. Um, I know one thing that they also... Um, you know, they're really, really emphasizing it is, you know, hits to the quarterback uh, and certain things that, you know, that they are finding players for on certain hits that they do and certain things that they're doing with uh, receivers coming across the middle and getting hits and they can't defend themselves. And so a lot of those changes that are taking place, it's changed the game to some degree. Um, and I think it, it, it's, we see it as former players because we've been there when those changes weren't in place. And so, um it was nothing to us because we, there's something that we've always been accustomed to. But as a former player looking at that, as like, wow, you know, that's, that's taken away from the game, you know. But I understand it because what they're trying to do is, find protocols, find different ways to help protect certain players from certain hits and certain injuries. But if you really think about it, football is such a brutal sport. There's, I can't see them being able to protect players from that because a lot of the hits that we take and that they take is on an act in the heat of the moment. And so a lot of times you can't really control your body and the route that it's going, or, you know, you're trying to make a tackle with your head up, but that player that you're trying to, have to tackle made try to duck, and now you head-to-head collision, you know. And so by doing certain things, you know, I think it is taken away from the game. Um, I love the game, and I always will love the game, but because of the way things are with the game, it's kind of taking away, A little bit of my excitement that I have for the game because I see things that that have changed that I'm used to seeing and enjoy seeing.
1: Yeah, you know, I think
4: playing that that way.
1: Yeah, and I think one thing about it is is I think that because uh, this is a game where uh, you know you can have a grandbaby and a granddaddy at the same game and they both can enjoy the game because it's been around for so many years and it'll continue. It's one of the few things where again uh, 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 a ten year old a uh, boy can go to the game with a 65-year-old man and mm-hmm. uh, and a 35-year-old man, and every one of them enjoy the game, you know, at the same level. You know, that that's just what yeah. this game of football does to us. The 10-year-old guy has never experienced the kind of hits that you're talking about. The 35-year-old guy and, of course, the 65-year-old, that's what they grew up with. And so they could, you know, they could enjoy the movie. As a matter of fact, uh, there's one highlight I want to talk about in the movie. Because uh, I've always said that because I guess I'm a Buckeye, so I got to be honest about it. A ja- <laughs> when you would see jacked up on the big boy show what Tom Jackson used to do, I would always say that's jacked up because that gives you an idea of the way Jack Tatum used to hit people. So when they are saying jacked up, you, you got hit like Jack Tatum used to hit him. and, and yeah. but But that's how the league made a lot of their money. Uh, It was part of entertainment. Some people paid for that. Some people negotiated that. I'm going to say that I'm one of those people that I negotiated for that. I, I even felt I had a term that I call woo. And, and my agent didn't know what a, what a woo hit was And I said Well you don't know What a woo hit is I said a woo hit is When you hit somebody When they come across the middle And everybody in the stadium And at home Go woo <laughs> You know So yep, I said and, th- and they That's right You know And as a matter of fact there's Sometimes they say You don't even have to see it You hear them hits Henry talked about that When a guy hurt his neck So of course We don't want injuries But, but we want the entertainment But I, I want to see the guys To be safe And, and, so, and so I'm going to ask you, Henry. Henry, you, you're you're a, a, a man that's seen this game evolved, uh, knowing some of the things now that you know now that I don't think you knew back then. Uh, you know, if you were to talk to a young person, a young man, and you've seen this game over the years, and uh, you know maybe it was a, a great grandchild or it was a, a great nephew or it was just a, a, a kid in the neighborhood, and the parents were asking you some information about if the child should play the game of football. Um, how would you answer that question, Henry Clay? I don't know. Because
2: I, 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 like a lot of people, are learning, learning more about it as we go along. And I, my obviously my feelings have changed over the last couple of years. I mean, we even played with uh, leather helmets, but that's another era. But... Um, I don't know. It's. I think that first of all, there. I don't have an answer, as uh, y- y- you all were talking about the fact that they're, you know, finding players for hits and what have you. I don't know what the answer is. I really don't.
1: Well, that's an answer in itself. And so, with that, Daryl, I'm going to ask you. Uh, you obviously still a young man. Uh, I know you have children. Uh, I think you're, uh, I'm not going to say you're fortunate, but I don't think, I, I haven't seen the boys around, if there are boys, but I, I've seen your, your daughters. But let me ask you, um, wh- what's, your, what's your perspective? You, you coach kids nowadays, so you train yeah. kids nowadays. Uh, what, what information do you share with them? Obviously, you're encouraging them to play sports. Uh, how do you advise them in terms of playing this game today in 2016?
2: Well
4: there's there's two ways to look at it. Um one way is I get um you know, when I when I talk to the kids, um or when you cancel your kids, one of the things that I also like to try and do is talk to the parents also and to kinda enlighten them, you know, on the actual sport itself because, you know, everybody looks at it from a perspective of kids going out there, hopefully that they can make the NFL and make all these amazing dollars. Um, and that's really where the parents, a lot of times, mindset is. I try to talk to them about the safety part of it because there's a lot of kids out there that want to play the game, and I, I'm i not against it. But I'm, I'm, I want to emphasize that they are taught correctly um, from a safety perspective and from how to tackle without using their heads. There's certain little things that I think – some coaches do, some coaches don't do, so there's not a lot of consistency right there. Um, and so I emphasize that. But if you put me a question to me it said, well, if I had a son, would my son play? Uh, or would I push my son to play? And the question the answer is, no, I would, I would not push him to play football. Mm-hmm. Um, I would emphasize other sports, but I wouldn't say no if that's what he chose to do.
1: Yeah.
4: Yeah, and um, I, and if he wanted to play football, I would say, okay, that's fine, but this is where we're at with that. And then I would make sure to, that he had every resource out there to help him, teach him, guide him to have the proper techniques and understand safety, as well as making sure the coaches that approach him have the same perspective on his, his, uh, his health, as well as you know, not so focused on just winning the game, but making sure the players are safe.
1: Well, you know it's really interesting that you say that, Daryl. Because I I, I remember uh, when I was in Philadelphia, there was a, a gentleman, um, Adam Terrafaro, who was a, a defensive back for uh, Penn State, and he was from Philadelphia. And I was close to one his uncle. And Adam uh, was playing a game against the uh, Adam played for Penn State. He was playing against Ohio State. Adam broke his neck in a game, and I remember when he came back to Philadelphia. I was there. I went to visit him in the hospital. And then when my son was born years later, um, I recall thinking about Adam a lot. And uh, so I made sure that I coached my son to keep his head up because we were worried about breaking necks back then. That, that's what the right. emphasis was on, because when, you're, when you teach an athlete the right way to do things, he'll do things the right way. He may make a mistake every now and then. I remember one of my friends, I told him to have his son on the offense side of the ball as opposed to the defense side of the ball because he was a smaller person, probably would have been playing defensive back, would have put himself in some compromised position where you can control the hits on the offense at times. Mm-hmm. On a defense, right. you're forced to go hit a bigger person, and you use the wrong technique, and it could be uh, you know, devastating. But uh, listen, I enjoy and thank both of you for uh, calling in today. It's uh, been a great show. I want to thank all those people out there who've been listening. Uh, in case you want to catch the show again, of course, you can catch it right here on VoiceAmericaSports.com. Uh, click on Rail of Sports. But we've got to go because our time is up, so we're going to have to uh, pick this up next week. So, uh, Daryl, thank you. Uh, Henry, thank, thank you. you. Happy New be. Year's to both of you. You've been listening to Rail Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and I'll see you next time, which will be the best time.
3: Thank you for spending this hour with Ray Ellis Sports. We hope that you've enjoyed today's conversation. For more information and to write Ray, visit RayLSports.com. That's rayellisports.com. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel.
0: Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com.